guys, we are in a very special point of our lives. We are four Americans living through a special election year, a <laughs> presidential election. It is currently, we are currently recording. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a week later, but we are currently recording on Friday, November 6th. And as of right now, in this time, we still do not know who the U.S. president will be. Technically, look, I'm very superstitious, so I'm not going to jinx anything by saying mm-hmm. anything. However, why I bring up that we are in an election year is that I, I don't know about you, Michelle, Mia, Allie, but I have been glued to MSNBC News for the last 72 hours. And now I feel like I've... Uh, fallen in love with a particular man who shows me different counties on the map, zooms in and shows me the percentages left of votes that need to be counted, who those people are leaning towards, and I have fallen deeply in love, this is a crush non-fictionally, with Steve Kornacki. <laughs> now, Steve Kornacki... <laughs> <laughs> is a very sweet individual from what I can tell. I did Google if he was single today. Is he single? <gasps> I, you know what? That's up for grabs, but I did find out that he is gay. So my dreams oh. have been dashed. Mm. This will never still Steve, have a crush on him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but him and I being together will just never happen. Have you guys had any sort of, uh, non-fictional crushes happening to you this week during this weird pivotal time we're in yes i was watching msnbc an hour ago and who is that cutie with the mustard yellow (laughs) shirt and the glasses (laughs) that's the man on the ground in arizona i don't know his name he's so cute (laughs) okay i'm just gonna talk about Oh, wait, I'm just going to jump in here. I just have a question for uh, these two ladies that are crushing right now. Do we (laughs) think that just because, you know, these are this is kind of like this new weird pattern of people kind of being like, you know, obsessed with these um, with these like reporters. And is it because in a time where it feels like we have no answers and everything is so chaotic that they give us some kind of peace by having answers for us and. Mm you know, creating order, because that's hot as hell. (laughs) I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I feel like if there's a man out there who um, is well-groomed and decent looking and is telling me like real facts and um, knows what he's talking about, I am there for it. A hundred percent. Real facts. Look, I feel like I've gone through hell with Steve Kornacki, okay? (laughs) I have gone through... Uh, what looked like many Trump leads, you know, he's telling me hard things that I don't want to hear. And I think that's a sign of true love is when a person can tell yes. you, you know what? Trump is leading in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Florida. And I'm just like, damn you, Steve. I don't want to hear this right now. I just need you to give me some hope. And he's like, you know what? That's not what I'm here for. I'm here he, to tell you the hard truth, baby. It's like a relationship. Hot. Hot. And I've I've said this very briefly on the podcast before, but they but I very seriously mean it in that I think it was Bill Murray who said that in order to figure out if you're compatible in a relationship, the best thing that you can do is go on a trip with somebody and 
and not have it be like very easy, meaning that you like go on a trip, you travel with somebody and things don't go right. Your luggage gets lost. You miss the flight. Like you can't sit together. Like it's all these bad things. And if you make it through the other side and you still really like that person and you love that person, then you should a hundred percent get married. So not this case necessarily with Steve Kim, but I think that <laughs> you and Steve have gone on this trip together and your luggage has been lost and you're looking towards the end of that trip. You're still pretty in love. I'm, I'm there for it. We've been through <laughs> a journey and I'm not going to lie. I've strayed from Steve at times. Oh I changed the channel from MSNBC to CNN a few times to see, oh you know, Wolf Blitzer and that other, you know, daddy, you know, giving me the numbers on the polls. However, I quickly realized I made a huge mistake and switched the channel back to MSNBC because there is something so comforting about Steve. I, we've been through too much and to suddenly change... <laughs> Poll reporting from MSNBC to CNN was just, it, it was never going to work out with me and CNN. But here we are. But I think it's a very interesting time. I think I, I personally have been that person glued to the news. I know plenty of people who are not. And I don't know what it is. I think I find, oddly enough, comfort right now. In watching the news and knowing exactly what's going on at every moment. And normally I'm the person who is tuning out, who is trying to watch a sweet teenage romance movie or something like the great British baking show where the most complicated and uh, drama, drama moment is a, uh, someone accidentally dropping their tray on the floor and <laughs> not being able to recover and building their, their but gingerbread I, But house. I do have to say, just as a side note, um, I have been enjoying immensely the memes that have come out um, mm -hmm. because I'm not watching a lot of like live news. It's just a little too stressful for me. So I'm taking it in phases. Um, it sounds like a drug addict. Like I'm just doing it in doses, guys. <laughs> micro, you're micro, yeah, micro. I can dosing. quit anytime. I quit anytime. <laughs> it's my choice. It's my choice. Um, but I love the memes. And one of the memes, <laughs> Kim and I were talking about memes earlier. And one of the memes was like just um, a bunch of different shots of people competing on the British, the greatest, the British baking show and they're looking at the oven and they're just staring at it and it was like this is what we all feel like and like some of them were like in various like levels of like despair you know because they're watching something implode in the oven and I feel like oh that some of these memes capture how we're all feeling at least how I'm feeling oh. like right now so perfectly I, oh. My favorite meme is has been like Nevada counting, and it's that guy singing one. It's <laughs> Ryan like Brian McKnight. Yes, yeah, like a dream come true. I died. I died. There's and the my the, my favorite thing. It's not a meme, but the oh, best thing I've either. seen. <laughs> it, the best thing I've seen is Anderson. That clip of Anderson Cooper. Yes. Where, have you guys seen the this? Obese where Anderson turtle. Cooper is like. Trump is an obese turtle flailing <laughs> yes. on his back, sweating in the hot sun as these votes get counted. That's not exactly what he says. And he it's, says it's, it's so dryly. It's so dry. And it's like he 
could be a poet. Like, honestly, he, it was like, he was using so many adjectives and such descriptive language in this like turtle metaphor with Trump. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was, it was brilliant. The oatmeal, I don't know if you guys follow the comic who, the art illustrator behind the oatmeal, but he created an, a, a, an illustration basically turning that into a poem uh a really with like uh, with what looks like an obese trump turtle on its back it's very good mm-hmm. um anderson cooper another newscaster that could absolutely get it but also <laughs> gay uh i'm damn. just gonna say i i like him always um i think he's so funny um trevor noah he can mm-hmm. crush mm-hmm. factually can always <laughs> <laughs> um, whether there's an election or not, but I, I I'm enjoying some of the commentary, and I just always think he's so funny. And uh, he's got a great book out. If for anybody who needs a really funny laugh, um, the audiobook is hilarious. He does like all these different voices of people, um, whether it's like his grandmother or his mother, and it's very very good. Ooh, well, so nice. Listeners, you have probably noticed a few extra voices on this episode. This is the most we've ever had, the most people we've ever had on one episode. It is a full house, and ooh, it is good times. It's like the original full house. It's not Fuller House. It's the original good stuff. Original good stuff, and no one's going to jail. No one's going to jail. (laughs) Sorry, I'm back. We are joined by the ladies, the lovely host of the awesome podcast called P.S. I Love Rom-Coms, Mia Schaffler and Allie Jennings. Say hi. 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 We're very excited to have you here. And we have been talking a lot about real life crushes for the first few minutes of this podcast. But we are talking today about a teenager romance and am i uh am i a creepy adult woman maybe this may have been something that i have been asking myself all week i don't know we'll dive into it but uh yeah so we're very big michelle and i very big fans of your pod Mm p.s i love Mm rom-coms guys If you haven't checked it out, go ahead and listen to it. You have to tune in. They've got great intro music and they have some amazing guests. And oh my God, you guys, you crack me up and uh, you'll feel like you're a part of the conversation if you guys tune in for sure. Right. Consider this a preview. Thank you so much. (laughs) And listeners, consider this a preview because if you love romance, if you love everything romance, rom-com, you need to head on over to PS I Love Rom-Coms because, but today... And just for today on this episode, the four of us, we're getting together and we're talking fictional crushes from teenage romances right after we officially start the show. Young love. Young love. You guys, I love a teenage rom-com. I love a teenage romance story as an adult grown-ass woman. I don't know what. <laughs> uh, you, Whoever's listening, you guys can judge me all you want. But uh, there's something so much that I love about a teenage 
romance story. I prefer that someone not be dying, but I, if they are, I'll still watch it. Um, so my question to the group uh, today on Crush Fictionally with our lovely guest, Allie and Mia, is have you ever had a teenage romance? Or do you have like a fun, young romance story that you can share oh man um well i guess my eyes got wide not out of excitement but more out of um you know i wasn't very um romantically astute when i was like a teenager i just like i was a late bloomer in college oh man so many (gasps) romantic moments but like in high school very like i i mean i like teenage romance so much because it was like I could live vicariously through these Mm. other people who were having these like really um, like amazing romances and all during high school I was like why isn't this happening to me you know why aren't two boys (laughs) fighting over me yeah Um, this sucks Um, and (laughs) no one's inviting me to prom no one's dancing in a gazebo with me <laughs> in prom. My prom's in like a convention center. This sucks. And <laughs> later I found I did get to have those romantic moments. They were just in college. And so like, I think teen romances are a little bit like, like uh, definitely aspirational, not very realistic, but I feel mm-hmm. like because they're written by adults, like it just feels like, adult life romance is like like seen through a teen lens and like mm-hmm. that's kind of what they're experiencing um but yeah i didn't have any like the most romantic thing was like i played flashlight tag with you know a group of girls and boys and that was like the <laughs> most like crazy <laughs> thing i did in high school <laughs> hanging out at steak and shake and playing flashlight tag <laughs> I'm Allie, I'm with you. I feel like in high school, I was not, I mean, I had boyfriends, but none of them were like super romantic. And I think probably I was telling Michelle this, but I think I had a long gap where I think the most romantic thing that had ever happened to me happened to me in the fourth grade, the sixth grade, skipped me in high school, and then skipped me in college. <laughs> and I was like, um, what is happening? Uh, why did why was I so successful in the fourth and the sixth grade with romance? And then <laughs> I'm a grown ass woman, and I don't have that level of romance anymore. I, it's interesting you say that because I think of like my the first. I love a romantic gesture, and I think the very first romantic gesture that uh, like that made such an impression on me. I was probably around the same age. I was probably like maybe third or fourth grade, and I had this crush on this boy in my class and at the end of the school year the bunch of us from school went to this amusement park and I I don't even think that we held hands I think we just like rode rides together it was very like g-rated or whatever is like not even g-rated like again no holding hands no nothing and I remember that he wrote me a letter in the mail and I remember getting it in the mail and he and it was you know it's very sweet. It was like something like, how are you? How's your summer? I miss you. And then he drew a little heart and it said like, I love you. And I just remember being so like 
I, it was just so sweet. And it was like such a lovely like gesture. And I can, I still like, I feel like I'm blushing as I'm talking about it. I can still see his face. I won't say his name, um, but such a cutie. And I just thought that was so cute. And I feel like what a sweet romantic gesture, because when I got to high school, it, uh, I wouldn't say that there were any romantic gestures on that same level, either from like the guys that I dated in high school or anything like that. And so I'm like, am I just, just waiting for someone to do like a romantic gesture as like, like my third grade self, (laughs) bring me back to that sweet, it was just a sweet gesture. I think it was so cute. There's nothing more romantic than a letter, man. I don't, they're so I've, I have received a few romantic letters and have sent a few. Ooh. <laughs> um, there, I, there's nothing. There's something so romantic about it because it's like it, it feels like tangible, like it's like tangible yes. proof of like somebody yes. saying like I love you. And then there's that also like kind of rom like romantic like it's not instant gratification. You have to like wait. Like you're writing it, you're sending it, they receive it, and there's like this tension of like waiting to see if Mm -hmm. like your love is accepted and yes yes and And i just i love a handwritten letter from anybody i think that's so sweet and romantic even if it's like a friend is writing you or someone sends you a postcard and there's just some like something romantic about it but the thought of like someone writing like a love letter and sending it and like the anticipation i mean I can't, I just, I'd lose my mind for any guys who are out there listening. I mean, write uh, a girl a letter already. <laughs> yes. Get a clue. If you have a crush on a Snail girl, mail write her a letter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or me, whatever. I, I mean, you I can fu- mail me a letter too. <laughs> <laughs> I fully agree. And I hope teens now are still getting those because I feel like we all had them because like <sighs> at the time I was getting a lot of letters, I was the only person with a cell phone because my parents were divorced. So I had to have a cell phone because <laughs> I was going between houses. So no one else had a cell phone. So it's like we all, all we had, that's like how we communicated was letters. And um, I just cleaned out my childhood room because my parents were moving. And I kept all the letters. Oh, I have all the letters and yes. I've read so many of them. And they are like, it is, I'm the same way where it's like, well, there was lots of letters. There was lots of romances when I was younger. It, it's the, all with the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. You know, like I couldn't enjoy any of it. Yeah. It was shrouded and like, I was a child. And when I watch like Friday Night Lights and I see those relationships, I'm like, those are forever. You know, like those people <laughs> should be together forever. But when I was in high school, yes. it was like, Every time anyone made a romantic overture to me, I always was just like felt I just was like so uncomfortable and didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And I know it was it was like so I couldn't like enjoy it because I was always like, I don't want to make anyone sad. And um, but I just oh, my God, I just read the letters for like the first time because they've just been like been in various boxes. And I was I was trying to sort them into categories so I could like make scrapbooks of various like middle school, high school, yes. college. And oh my God, the handwritten letters are the this, the best thing to go back Aww. to. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, there were, there was teen romance for me, but I agree where it's like, I think the stories we're all talking about are adults writing and inserting adult feelings mm-hmm. and then have adult actors play them. But, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but I think some people maybe do get it, but not me. I mean, and I, I, I had a boyfriend I really loved in high school and, and, and after, but like, but it was, yeah, I was still, I was so young and I just wasn't, I just wasn't 
an right. adult. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I don't think it's creepy. I, I know, Kim, you talked about like it being creepy or, <laughs> you know, liking teen romance <laughs> stuff. And it's not creepy for the reasons I think we've said, which is like these are adults writing these movies and these books and they're putting their adult love, you know, in teen bodies that sounds so wrong but like <laughs> you teen characters teen, teen characters, characters. Yes. and, and yeah, that's why we can also like relate to it because it's adult love um and maybe there are teenagers like romeo and juliet that have you know found adult love early on but it's uh you have to be pretty mature yeah, I yeah. have like a love-hate relationship with a teen romance, right? Because you watch it and you're like, oh man, it's so innocent. Mm-hmm. It's There's something so sweet about it. There's something so wonderful, I think, about first love or thinking, you know, feeling like these like emotions at a young age. And then I'm also now that 34-year-old woman who's like, what do you know about love, you little girl? <laughs> you stupid little girl. You don't know anything. Um, so that's me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I always want them in like the teenage romance. I want them to be together. I want it to work out. Mm-hmm. I like assuming the guy isn't like a total jerk. I want the guy to be sweet and her to be likable. And this all sounds so predictable. I'd be the worst uh, teen romance writer. But no, that the I want one because I want it. them to work out. And then, but then I'm like, if they're getting to the point where they're like graduating, they're going off to college. It's like, oh, you need to break up. <laughs> Sorry, done. Like, you need like, to go over. find yourself and be independent. And so I struggle with that because I so want them to be together, but I also feel this inherent need as an adult to be like, no, you need to. You're so young. You need to go and live your life and sort it out and and figure out who you are as a human being. Yeah, yeah. And I will say we said this before we started recording, but I think another facet of. Um, like being into teen romance whether or not that's appropriate or not is that um, when we were coming up most of the actors in teen romances were full-blown adults and I think only recently in my mind have they started casting actual minors in these right. stories yeah. and then and that I don't like like I yeah like um, I saw the trailer for the craft and I was like everyone looks very young here <laughs> <laughs> they do look very young in the craft I also felt like uh, they looked really young in Mindy Kaling's new uh, never have I ever like I love that show I love that show but I just felt like they there was nobody that I was particularly crushing on probably because they all look very young to me except the main male lead he's like an adult man (laughs) he's clearly older yeah Yeah, he's He's like I was definitely yes (laughs) he's got five o'clock shadow rocking for sure I would say that I don't know why we're not talking it hasn't come up um although I know Kim and I texted about it in that show the dads are hot there's like two dads in there that I'm like, anyone is no one talking about the hot men in this. Like the, the the, dead dad is so hot. He's the hottest. Like, and he's so funny. And you're just like, Oh, he's so charming. No. (laughs) And the other girl's dad is really hot. And then the guy that they set the cousin up with is really hot. So I don't know what kind of casting call they did for that, but nice work. Good work. Good work. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mindy Kaling's a romance expert. She's like a rom-com she 
queen. She does strike me as that kind of person. I haven't watched too much of the Mindy project, but clearly, like, uh, clearly there's a lot of, like, love interest in how she deals with the awkwardness of love and her own problems finding love and stuff like that. So, I... That is a great show. I highly recommend the Mindy project. That's something I I will Um, eventually... I love on. it from like a rom a rom com perspective, and I feel like it's oh. I find it very comforting. And she also did the remake of um, Oh yeah, a weddings Full, and a funeral, yep. which mm-hmm. I also recommend. Oh, yeah. oh guys, it's that time. We oh need to God. start revealing some crushes, okay? <gasps> so, oh Allie, Mia, either of you can go first, but because you are our guest, guests go first. Drop us your crush. Who are you? Who's your fictional crush from a teenage romance? Well, Allie, who, we're, we're two sides of the same coin. So, Allie, <laughs> Allie mm-hmm. who should start? <laughs> I'll start. Um, my crush uh, is... Um, <laughs> man, my, cr- <laughs> my crush is Edward Cullen from <laughs> The Twilight. <laughs> from so guys, the Twilight books. Allie's got the book. She's, She's got, got the, the book, book, which is no... Is no you're no slouch if you've read the Twilight books because those are long. There's four, four books, right? There, there are four. I have all four of them with me here. Um, <laughs> oh and um, really fun. Okay, so really fun fact too is not only do I have all four, but I, my copy of Eclipse has <gasps> been no. signed. No. I, I'll show you guys no. the signature. People who are listening, just imagine that you can see me right now. Where We're is all it? here to validate your signature. From, okay. Stephanie Meyer. It what? Go, it's oh, to Allie. What? Stephanie oh, Meyer. Name. Yeah. Did you wait? Get that? Did you wait? Yeah. How did you get okay. that? This is how I jumped on the Twilight bandwagon really early on. Like I don't want to say I'm a trendsetter, but I felt Ooh. like a trendsetter. Like I, I think I was like the first one of my friends that like read these books, and I was like, huh. I remember. It was like the first time I had ever like really felt horny as a teenager reading these books. And I was like, there's something special about these. Um, and and um, they she I think Stephanie Meyer was just getting popular um, and was doing like a book tour. And she came to the Barnes and Noble mm. in my small Chicago town. And I remember even then, like it was packed. It was like full wow. of people. Like we're packed into this Barnes and Noble, um, and she was signing books, and I'll never forget this. She signed my book, and she was like, "You look just like a little pixie," and I was like, <gasps> "I was like, <laughs> yeah." I think in my mind, I wanted her to be like, "You could be a vampire." Like that's what I. That was like the subtext of like <laughs> my the comment was like, yes. "You could be a vampire," and I was like, "Yeah." Um, so. Um, yeah, I like got really into these books early on. I met Stephanie Myers and then, um, I always, I mean, I think as a, as a kid, I, I, I liked Edward a lot because I liked how mysterious he is. I love a bad boy. Oh, I yeah. love uh, like not only a bad boy, but like kind of like a self-hating bad boy who's like, you don't want to be with me. I'm 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 bad, bad news. news. You could I'm do a monster. So much better. You could do so much better than me. 
even though I'm incredible, <laughs> uh, even though I'm immortal, you could do so much better than me. Um, oh I'm so, permanently yes. hot and super strong and super smart. You should, you deserve someone better, <laughs> better than me. Like, like disgustingly yes. humble. Um, yes. And so I love humble bad boys. And um, yeah, I mean, and then my love for Edward just like grew throughout the years. Like I was really into the books and then the movies came out. Oh my god! And my birthday, my sixteenth birthday party, my party was all of my friends and I went to go see the movie in theaters because it came out like right around my birthday, and I'll never forget just the high pitched screams in the theater of girls being like, "Oh my <laughs> like, god, so hot!" Like a guy sneaking in to watch you sleep. Ah! <laughs> a hot guy wants to watch me sleep yeah <laughs> I mean there, I can't lie there's not there is something hot about that I my friend recently I I gotta be honest with you I have not read any of the Twilight books I have not seen any of the Twilight movies <gasps> I'm that person but okay. that's okay now I think I might go back and watch them and or read them because my friend got me into a paranormal romance novel series called Immortals After Dark. And it's very naughty romance not, uh, stories uh, that have to do with vampires and werewolves and demons and like, you know, you, you name it, it exists in this world. And now I'm just like, dang, now I understand the whole Twilight bandwagon and why people were like, vampires are hot. I feel and like that whole, the books kicked off this whole, like, va- like I don't watch True Blood, full disclosure, but I read the books and I was fascinated by the books. I, it's not something that I would normally read, but I was just so interested. And it had some, like, magnetic something. Because I, I don't know that necessarily think they're the best written books. Sorry, Stephanie Meyer. I mean, I but uh-huh. I feel like... But I feel like there's something very interesting about it. And maybe it was the time and the context, but um, I feel like it really kickstarted this whole like fascination with like vampires and falling in love with this immortal character or like a bad boy who's like has some kind of mystery. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to lie, like Robert Pattinson in that role from like the very little I've seen of Twilight, whether, you know, clips or trailers, whatever, you definitely are like, "Mm, yes, this is a this is a good decision. Um, All that being said, though, because you guys are on opposite sides of the coin, Mia, where do you stand? Okay, well. So obviously, I'm coming in here. I'm Team Jacob. Team Jacob. I was always Team Jacob. And here's what I'll say I want to say two things. One is, it, Kim, if you do go back and rewatch and reread or for the first time, there is certain things you are going to have to ignore. You're gonna have, there's a lot you're gonna have to ignore that is that is bad. That is the main female character has very little agency, um, very yeah, little like control over anything that's happening. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's constantly both of these men are constantly violating like um her personal sort of like boundaries and what her she boundaries. wants. And we they don't care about yes, her boundaries and, at all. Yes, <laughs> they don't care about them at all. And it's that's true. and it's we true. just have to ignore that. And also, let's say that's maybe not what we want in real life. I will say, um, famed sort of sex therapist Esther Perel says that like sometimes what people want in sex is the opposite of what they want in their daily life so you might mm, not that's want very common 
Mm. Right? So you might not want a partner that ignores your personal boundaries and watches you sleep. But fantasy-wise, maybe. Maybe you do. But not. And that's okay. And that's what we're saying here. And, And you do have to ignore things. However, okay. I came late to Twilight. I remember being at a Borders Books, RIP, and reading the back of it. And being like, like several times, like wa- like browsing and like picking it up because it had a very captivating cover and reading the back of it and being like, no, the answer is no. Because it's always like the end. It's like <laughs> the only issue with Edward, he wants to drink her blood. And it's like, okay, well, no, you know, yeah. like the answer is no. And then uh, my mom bought it for me and I was like, okay, okay. And then couldn't get down with Bella. And then eventually like it did. I Because they were just always around, right? It's like my sister had that. My friends had that. Right. Yeah. And Huge. so then all so it's. Yeah, and, and when you're also we were younger, and there wasn't like you didn't have like a laptop with Netflix and stuff, so they were like, okay, well, I'm on vacation, and there's a Twilight book here, so I'm going to read it. And then I was very on board. There is something magnetic about it where it's like it's problematic. Maybe it's not the most eloquent prose in the world, but once you get on the train, you're probably not getting off the train. And um, now it's spoiler. Well, no, I don't want to spoil it. No spoils. Um, but. What I will say is that I really became Team Jacob in book two when, um, yeah. and do you want, Kim, do you want us to say specifics or do you want to keep it n- like mum because you're, you haven't gotten to experience this yet? Oh, no, you go ahead. I don't, it, okay. you, you, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like I know a lot of things already, so don't even worry. Okay, great. Great. So I was Jacob even in the books. And for me, what was the clincher here was that um, you have one of my favorite tropes, which is the perfect sexy circumstance. So in book two, Edward is gone. Edward has fled. That's book two, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, He's fled. He's gone. And Bella is crushed. And um, Jacob is sort of like her only, like it's like their dads are best friends, which I always thought as a teen was like such a sexy circumstance. It's like if you're family (laughs) friends and then you have to be around each other. But you can't view him as more than a friend. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, we have to be on vacation together. Oh oh my Um, God. When did you grow up, Jacob? Exactly. So then they like have to, they have to be together, like fixing a motorcycle and they're just like getting to know each other. And then, and then something mysterious starts happening to Jacob and something sinister is happening where, <gasps> where there's all these like mean boys on the reservation that start cutting their hair and, and not wearing shirts. And it's like a cult. And you're like, Oh my God, there's a cult. There's a scary cult. And then oh. somehow we lose Jacob to the cult and it's like so scary. And you're like, where did he go? And then of <laughs> course it turns out he's a werewolf <laughs> and uh, yep. it is. I thought the whole thing was so captivating. I love Jacob more than Edward because I thought we got to see him and Bella's relationship develop more than with Edward. With Edward, it's always like a problem, right? It's always like, I have to eat you. So that's a problem. And then once we once we solve that, it's like the vol- um, J- the three people are in town and they're going to kill us. So with Edward and Bella, it always just seems like it's a problem. We're always like moving around. But with Jacob, we get to stand still and we get to take the <laughs> time to have some of the fun and games that we miss for Edward and Bella. And I'm also like, your dads are friends. Jacob has a community. <laughs> like, I just like, love. what don't you, why can't you make this work, girl? Make, work. make this make work. He's like, this is practical. A werewolf human relationship is more practical. <laughs> yes. And I just thought there was just like, yeah, there was, it was just like, he was good on paper guy, but in a way that was still like so steamy. And in the movie with Taylor Lautner, I was not disappointed where it's like, mm. he's sort of like, in the first movie, he's like a little, little gooby, but still cute cute and then second movie all of a sudden like short hair no shirt taylor lautner is like the steamiest steamiest teen heartthrob i mean i could not handle at that age like that kind of like 
heartthrob that your like stomach contracts because you're like, I right. can't have this man because he's <laughs> fake. But I want him. This is a him. fictional character. I, you know, it's funny because uh, I feel like I was torn all the way through. Uh, there was something that I liked about both of these characters. I loved, I found like Edward very alluring and sexy and like mysterious. But then I also really like every time something bad would happen in her relationship with Edward, there would always be like the stability and like this, um, I don't know, like the support that she got from Jacob. So I feel like I was always torn. I was always torn by it who I liked more throughout the books that I, that I was like, Oh, this is a tough decision. And I maybe there's no wrong answer. Both sides of the same coin. And I, I will say Allie and I both just rewatched all of these films. And I will say by the end, I am happy with Bella's decision. I'm happy. I think it's the right choice. I'm, and I think it's a good choice for her, not for me, not my, not my, not, not your my choice, vampire. not my, not my choice, but it's a choice and it's a good one for her. I think something that like, why I think Edward is like very sexy is just because, and this is also like, this is like a little bit problematic, like most of the relationships in Twilight, but like Bella, like kind of like fixes Edward and like as a woman mm. I'm like kind of taught I've been taught like you can fix <laughs> yes. a man with your like beautiful you know feminine grace and uh, <laughs> I um, and like reading the books too I'm always like okay this is a sidebar and I'm gonna get back to my original bar but sidebar is Bella is so freaking lame in the books and in the Bad. movie she's yeah. so lame and she's so weak and passive and reading it I think maybe why I liked it, I was always like, I'm better than Bella. Like, man, <laughs> if I lived in Forks, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a love triangle. It'd be like a love hexagon. There'd be so many vampires <laughs> and like werewolves fighting over me if I was in this town. Um, but um, so that's why I liked it too. Cause I was like, oh man, put me in this book. Literally put me in this book. I know <laughs> you will fall in love with me. Um, but uh, why, why I like him is because like, it's like, oh, Bella like fixes him and like teaches him to love himself. And like, oh, I was like, I yeah. liked kind of that. Like, and you know, it is not, and now as an adult, I know like it's our own job to like fix ourselves. Like, it's not your partner's job to fix you. You fix Preach yourself. On. Edward on. should have gone to vampire therapy and learned, you know, mm-hmm. he's not a and monster. Done it his damn self, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Done his yeah. own work. But mm-hmm. um, when I was a teen, I thought it was really hot. Like, the idea, like, I could make someone better. Um, but maybe that's just me wanting to be a therapist. Now, is it true that Stephanie Myers came out with, uh, I guess, is it a book, but it's told from Edward's perspective? Midnight Sun, mm-hmm. is oh. that what it's called? I heard that. But you haven't read yeah, it. it came out. It just came out recently, like recently. I think. Recently. Yeah. Um, and I it's from his it. perspective. I think Oh, I remember. Okay, I remember the scandal now. It was, she had written this book a while ago and just a few, like some fan got a hold of it and like released the first couple of chapters. And she was like, Mm -hmm. that's it. I'm not publishing it. I'm not publishing it. You like fans are so greedy. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, time passes and she wants that money. So she like- you know, it's like, just kidding. I'll publish it now. I'm over it. <laughs> it's um, been a while. So, yeah, I'm I curious. Money. I'm curious to know if it's, that's any good. I don't know. I've I've 
seen it because I remember reading the books and then people were passing around like it's like a PDF and they're like, oh, there's this other book that she may publish someday and you can read part of it. But it's from his perspective. And we all got super excited because who didn't want to hear what Edward had to think of all of this? So, TBD. Yeah. Michelle. Yeah. Who is your teenage romance my my teenage romance (laughs) is a new one i wish that i could go back and and say that this was like someone that i saw in my teenage years but i love this movie so much um i have a crush on peter kavinsky played by Mm -hmm. noah centineo in to all the boys i've loved before which is (laughs) a recent movie uh like i said Teenage romance, is that a problem that I'm enjoying it so much? Um, I love this character that they wrote. And uh, I feel like when the movie came out in 2018, that Noah Centineo became like everyone's boyfriend. He was like the internet boyfriend. And I, <laughs> I don't know that he is currently now. Someone else has taken that spot. But I find his character in this movie very... Um, very charming and less problematic than we see in either like in some either tropes as like Mia was talking about or like in other teenage rom-coms where they, the guy is kind of a jerk and then they just forgive it at the end. That drives me crazy. Like, Oh, he's total womanizer and treats women badly, but it's totally fine. Cause he's into you. Um, mm. He, he does make his ex jealous or he, he, for anybody who doesn't, know the movie to all the boys I loved before is centered around the main female character, Laura Jean. And when she has a crush, like so intense on somebody, she writes a letter to kind of get it out, just like a love letter to that person. And she hides it away. And then her love letters get out. So um, literally, she, literally mm-hmm. to the people that she wrote them to. And um, Peter Kavinsky uh, makes a deal with Laura Jean that they will pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend for making for the for the sole purpose of making his ex jealous and hopefully winning her back. Um, but I I said before I love handwritten notes, so I feel like the story very very much like speaks to me. He writes her little notes, which I think is so very cute. Um, and I actually have a crush on them together. I think they are a very cute couple. They were I like very how cute. They wrote her female character as like this shy kind of like introverted girl. Um, but she has this like Meg Ryan kind of likability and mannerisms that are very cute. And um, I just I love that whole idea of her writing letters. So I love this. It came from. Um, a book uh, from uh, the author is Jenny Han, and she wrote the book just kind of based on a whim. When she tweeted years ago, she said, "Wouldn't this be a funny book idea?" Because she's like, sometimes when I feel very strongly or want, either I'm angry or I feel love for somebody, I write them. I write an, I write them something. I write oh. out like a letter, and then it just helps me process my feelings. She's like, "Wouldn't that make a funny?" book and so she wrote to all the boys i loved before which is a trilogy and um it made it all the way to netflix and i love that it has um a female lead who is half asian i mean mm-hmm. s- just stop and a lot of the um 
a lot of uh, companies wouldn't pick it up. They didn't want to have um, a female lead who was Asian. They were like, no. And so Jenny Han um, held out, and that's how they got um, Lana Condor, who plays Laura Jean. And I just, I love this whole movie. It's so cute. Mm -hmm. It's just such a cute story. I find it very comforting to watch. It has this very, like, to me, like this Wes Anderson-esque, like, aesthetic in the way that they've done, um, I think, some of the blocking and the coloring, but, like, also some of the dialogue. I was reading this interesting article about the influence of Wes Anderson on different movies and and things and random things like Gucci commercials and this like Mm -hmm. SZA music video. Like, um, so I was fascinated by, I think like that's what really draw drew me into it. And that there aren't any like bad stereotypes, like they're Asian characters, but it's not a girl who wears glasses the whole time and is good at math and, you know, uh, has a bad haircut and her parents are overbearing. Like, I just feel like, all the characters are really well played out. Even like the side characters, like John Corbett yeah. is the uh, dad. The sisters. And the sisters. And um, yeah, it's just great casting, really diverse, multidimensional. But I do love myself some Peter Kavinsky. I know that Noah Centineo has been in other things, but I think I will, will only love him as Peter Kavinsky in this first movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So. You're but done. he is—he's not a teenager in real life, and I don't think he was a teenager when he shot this movie. So there you go. So it's totally within bounds of me thinking his character is cute, and uh, my teenage self would have gone crazy for a little Peter Kavinsky. I mean, come on, uh, come on. Yes, like that movie's so cute. I cried watching it. It's adorable. I love the casting. I don't know. It was just a really sweet story, and he's a total hottie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, Come on. he's got that like confidence. Like he's so. I hate it. I, but I it's also like, love it. Like it's. I want it. I wish they sold that in a jar. Like that just kind of like. <laughs> I you know yes. just like I that own, swagger. I like I, swagger. He's like yeah. He's very very confident. Um, one of my favorite scenes. It like in that movie. Um, and this is kind of like the opposite of what we were talking about with Twilight. It's like when they sit down and they like make a little contract about yeah. like their relationship and stuff. Yes. And I just think that's like really sexy. Like just like I know it's like a friendship contract or like a fake relationship contract. But like I just love that like boundary setting that they do. Um, <laughs> yes. I think that's really healthy and like is super yes. cute and um, something that like I would totally do in high school if any boys were interested in me then but like You'd write a contract <laughs> and be like here are the things that we need to here's agree like on. what thi- like this is me trying to like control a relationship that can never be controlled um but um man that movie's so cute lana is so cute and her her clothes Ugh. are really cute too uh, her clothes her. are her cute outfits, her hair Ugh. Her hair. Also, oh. that movie has one of my favorite teen tropes, and it's my favorite when it's teens when you have to have a fake relationship yes. to win someone back or make someone jealous, and you fall in love. That is yes. the best trope of all time. Because there's is. this this one part, and I don't think this is a spoiler for anybody who's listening, and they're like, "Oh, I haven't seen this movie," but there's this part where she's like, um, "I say, you know, 
how do I tell him how I'm feeling? And I just feel like that's so, it just is so cute and genuine. And I'm okay with her liking him because the way that they had him act in it and the way that they wrote his character was that he had some feeling feelings for her too. Like there are other especially like teen stories that we've seen where some you're like, Oh, was it you're betting on me the whole time? No, I really loved you. And it like, it wasn't that it wasn't that he was doing something and hiding it from her the whole time. They just had this really cute chemistry. And originally they cast Noah Centineo as the neighbor next door, Josh. Mm. And it wasn't oh. until they brought him in to read with Lana Condor that they were like, Oh, their chemistry is poof off the charts so they cast him as peter and then figured out the guy who israel who played josh they they put him in that role and i was like oh i could they're such a cute couple together that i just wanted it to work out it's just such a really sweet and like comforting story yeah something i love about that story as well and i'm not gonna spoil anything as either i'll try i'll keep it vague but like I think it teaches a really important lesson, especially for like teens. This is something I didn't learn until like later in life. But like sometimes when you're a teenager, you get these like crushes that are just crushing. They're like so intense. Mm. Like she has at the beginning of the movie for one character. And then you realize like, oh, actually, you know, being with that person that I have a crush on might actually not work out. It might actually not be a good relationship versus like, like getting to know somebody and like just without that like intense obsession kind of you know blocking in the way and like just things naturally forming um is sometimes uh, a, a better way to start a relationship um yes no spoilers yes. no spoilers, no spoilers. And, it's, <laughs> and it's very cute how they show both of them trying to figure out themselves as like young people trying to navigate love. Cause Kim and I have talked about like when you're young, not on the podcast, but that when you're young, you don't really know what love is and you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. who you are as like a human being. And like, it's hard when you're a teenager trying to figure out you're a teenager and then you're trying to sort out what love means to you. And you don't really know, like when I got my cute little letter, when I was like, whatever, 10 years old and I this boy loved me that's like outside of my family like I had only been like told oh I love you in my family so what do we when you're young what do you know about love and I feel like this movie explores like what it's like for her um as like this teenager sorting out how to be you know in a potentially in a relationship and what it means to love somebody and and trust somebody and and tell people that you love them and not like reside in these fantasies. Cause we said this before on the podcast that there's like the fantasy versus the reality, especially when it comes to fictional crushes. So that dichotomy of what it's like to take the fantasy away and really like live in the moment and tell and really like learn from it. And I think this is a sweet way of telling that with, with some like funny, funny moments. Yeah. Yeah. I think the ending is the best too. I won't give anything away, but it has to do with, except if you love someone, you should love their family too. Um, Mm. So I love the ending to that movie. Guys, should I get to my crush now? Please, please, please. All right. I'm taking y'all back to 1999. It's a good year. The millennium was upon us. In fact, our last episode was uh, hotties from the early noughties. Unfortunately, (laughs) this did not make the cut because it was in 1999. And my 
crush is on Patrick Verona, played yes. by Heath Ledger. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Of <gasps> ten things I oh hate my about God. you. Oh my God! Get you out of my brain! Get you out! Get out of there! Nailed it! So steamy. Listen. So steamy. Well done. I don't like well. men with long hair. Typically, I don't typically go for the bad boy. I don't typically go for guys who smoke or have a reputation for eating a duck, uh, a live duck. <laughs> but, but not the beak. But not the feet. But not the beak and the feet. <laughs> this is a very deep cut if you have not seen the movie. <laughs> but bad for somebody so else. good. Go so see the movie. Um, it is on Disney Plus. You can watch it right now if you've got Disney Plus. <gasps> it is. It is. It is on Disney I have that. Okay. Plus. Hamilton. And... Look, what is 10 Things I Hate About You about? Okay, it is loosely based off the Shakespearean play, The Taming of the Shrew. And essentially, it is, my God, it's got a full cast of stars. You've got Heath Ledger, obviously, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Julia Stiles, Gabriel Union, um, uh, Larissa Olenek at the time, if y'all remember The Secret World of Alex Mack. And... uh, Janney. Allison, Allison Janney, okay, yeah, like right before her career took off too. Lots of great freaking people, lots of great characters. And anyway, I bring that all up to say it is about these two sisters and they could not be more opposite. You've got Julia Stiles playing like pessimistic, annihilistic, uh, the glass cynic. is half empty. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Cynic, glass is half empty kind of personality. And she has a younger sister who is like lovey dovey, popular, be- you know, considered a beauty at school, wants to date, wants to be with boys. And Julia Stiles' character could not be more opposite. However, the dun 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 or the inciting incident of this entire movie is that the younger daughter uh, play, or younger sister played by Larissa Olenek, she can, the father who they have a very overprotective father and the overprotective father says, okay, daughter, younger daughter, you can start dating, but only when you get your older sister to start dating. And that's the clause. And schemes get, uh, put together because particular men in the movie want to date this younger sister character. And they're like, well, we got to make sure we set up Julia Stiles, character on a date so that we can finally bust through this clause and date this younger sister. Anyway, it's fantastic. It's fun. I think I was 13 years old when this movie came out. And if you did not instantly fall in in love with Heath Ledger, when you saw him in that movie, I don't know if you've lived. Um, It is he, there are moments where, yeah, of course you meet him and you're like, "Eh, maybe not for me. And then this beautiful moment happens where he sings to Julia Styles' character and he does, he pulls out this, the ultimate, I think, romantic gesture to win her heart. And of course we've got, I don't know how you, Allie and Mia would, what trope you would pull out for this, but I think there's this element obviously of, uh, he pretends obviously to like Julia Styles' character because he wants to get paid. So he, so he can, uh, um, obviously get her out on the date and get his money. But in the process, obviously he falls for her. So um, yeah, we we see a few tropes here. The one when you mentioned the, the singing of the song, right? That's like a big grand gesture. Um, 
And then, yes, this is one of our favorite, our favorite tropes, the secret bet. And here it's more of a secret arrangement, but it still feels like the secret bet trope like we see in She's All That. And what else do we have a secret bet? Oh, uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, a secret bet is it's, 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 it goes hand in hand with, um, you know, we have to be together to make someone jealous, but we secretly fall in love. That's where the secret bet is also. It's we're, we're doing a secret bet that I have to date you to do something, but I fall in love with you. So yeah, that movie, uh, chock full of tropes, chock full of tropes <laughs> in that one. But he yeah. is so darn cute in it. I mean, Heath Ledger, <laughs> you stole him right off my honorable mentions list because oh, I was uh, like, you you have my honorable mentions, so oh, I don't even know if I so even we just have any. switched. I was like, oh my god, but I I think he's so cute. Um, I love a bad boy with long hair. Um, I've said that many times on this show, but I think that he's so <laughs> cute. But that there was a there's a really cute moment when he drives her home from the party and she goes to kiss him or she thinks they're going to kiss and Mm -hmm. he doesn't and i and i find it very admirable that he doesn't you know that he he doesn't do anything because he likes her and he started i i took it as like in watching that movie that he's realizing well maybe this secret bet is probably not a good idea because now i'm starting to like this girl and if i kiss her maybe this is like a bad idea but i just thought that was such a cute Yes. moment and i i do love like looking at a young joseph gordon levitt he looks like a baby in it he's so young oh, oh it, that's the first thing i said i'm like oh baby baby joseph gordon levitt everybody looks like a baby and the fun fact about 10 things i hate about you is that funny enough they are actually all teenagers in that movie with one exception gabrielle union who was 10 years older on average than the rest of the cast <laughs> she was 26 union. years old love Man. that wow yeah, so Heath Ledger was 19 at this role, and uh, the director, Gil <laughs> Junger, he was like, <laughs> so the film's director, Gil Junger, he actually said that he had a lot of challenges finding the right actor to play Patrick Verona because essentially he's like, I need this character be, to be super masculine without trying to be masculine. Um, I need him to be smart. I, but I also need him to be removed. I need him to be unbelievably charming. And he basically says this was a very complicated role, but after seeing Heath Ledger's audition, he was like, no, this actor's super special. And I think this guy's going to be a movie star one day. And, um, funny enough, Heath Ledger thought he bombed the audition, but everybody walked away and was like, no, he's fantastic. And apparently the director went on to say to his own production crew, he's like, I've never wanted to sleep with a man, but if I had to, it would be Heath Ledger. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Same. So look, I mean, <sighs> there's just this undeniable likability about Heath Ledger in this movie. Obviously, he went on to be a very notable actor. He really was able to break from this idea of like this teenage he- heartthrob uh, and Lord. He- I He's just so freaking sweet in this movie. And I think the cast is actually pretty perfect for the most part. There's a, you got to love Joseph Gordon Levitt in the film as well. And the other thing I will say about this movie is that I love what ultimately becomes a very sweet sisterly bond between the two sister characters. They, um, 
they really have a great story arc, the two of them. So great female characters. I mean, you got to love Julia Stiles in this as well. I think I watched this as a youngster and saw a lot of myself in terms of like, here's a woman who tells it like it is, and she doesn't take any shit from any man. It is, uh, I love it. I love this movie, and I loved rewatching it this week. It just brought me back to middle school and this very sweet feeling. So, this was a movie that I instantly thought of when we came up with this topic. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm picking Heath Ledger from 10 Things I Hate About You. What a great choice. Oh what a great choice. I love that. This this is a side note for for PS, like a PSLI rom-coms thought, but I just realized that the best friend in that movie of Julia Stiles is sort of like 90s Judy Greer because she was in all the teen rom-coms as yeah. the best friend. Because she was in Drive Me Crazy. She, yeah. Yeah. This one. Uh, she was in um, the dancing movie that I love. The ballet one. Save the Last oh, Dance? Dance? Uh, no. The, oh, the one other one. Oh, Center Stage. Uh, Center Stage. And was she in... O? I don't know. Was oh, yes. Julia Stiles was in O. Julia Stiles, but not the best friend. I don't know. like, that's... The skinny brunette. No, but she was in a lot. She was in a lot. But um, Judy Greer of the 90s. Of the <laughs> she was of the, 90s. the Judy Greer of the 90s. <laughs> there are definitely a lot of actors where you go back and you watch these movies and you're like, where the hell did that person go? Man, they were killing it in this era. And then yeah. nosedive. What happened? Mm. Even Julia Stiles a bit too. Yeah. yeah. Freddie Prince. Jr. She's popping up in things recently in mm. small roles. She was in Hustlers and Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, yeah. That's oh, that's right. She was she in was. Hustlers. I forgot that. It was She's like a hot minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. That's, that's right. right. Well, we need to take a break soon. But before we take a break, Michelle, you yes. want to give a little bit of a hint of what we're going to quickly oh, yeah, talk about right when we come back to the break? We're going to talk about sequels. A little Ooh. rom, a little calm, a little exciting stuff happening. All righty. When we come back. Hi, everyone. Well, you know, we don't have any ads as a part of this podcast, but we'd love to give shouts out to organizations and companies that we are excited about and ones we hope that you would look forward to using. So maybe you want to check out Red Planet Books and Comics, and that's spelled exactly how you think, Red Planet Books and Comics, R-E-D-P-L-A-N-E-T-B-O-O-K-S. And the letter N, comics, C-O-M-I-C-S dot com. If you go to redplanetbooksincomics.com, you can check out their fantastic selection of native artwork, books, comics, all the very cool things that they have going on. You can shop them at any time and they will ship it right to you. So if you get a chance, all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico, check out Red Planet Books and Comics. Thanks again for your support. Well, I'm excited. I know we talk about things that people can look forward to, but I saw this week that they are doing a sequel to Wedding Crashers with Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, which I've, I, Mia and Allie can correct me that that's more comedy. It's like light on the romance with Rachel McAdams. Um, 
but I still love the dynamic uh, there. I don't know. What do you guys think? It's, it's been a long time since that movie's been it's out. Been a long time. Yeah. yeah, I'd say Wedding Crashers is a rom-com. It's definitely more like a bro rom-com. Mm. Kind of like, uh, like Judd a Judd Apatow I love you, man? style. Mm. Like, I love you, exactly. Where it's mm-hmm. like romance from like a male perspective and a very, like I would say, stereotypical kind of male uh, perspective. I remember thinking Wedding Crashers was funny when I watched it. And then I like rewatched part of it and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was made in the uh-huh. early 2000s. <laughs> yes. This was made yeah. in the early 2000s and we have, we have come far since then. So it'll be interesting to see um, like how they address that in uh, a sequel if they kind of... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of address some of the kind of like toxic uh, uh, male par- uh, uh, aspects of that film. Yeah. I remember Bradley I Cooper being really good in that film. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a young a very Bradley a- Cooper. Big asshole, yeah. He's yeah. so, <laughs> such an asshole. He is. Oh, I love it's him. It's so good. It's a very, like, I gotta be honest, I thought Owen Wilson and... Vince Vaughn had a really great chemistry together. Like I thought they really worked well off each other. I remember when I watched that movie laughing and laughing and laughing. And as I sit here and I think about it, I haven't watched Wedding Crashers and God knows how long, but I sit here and I am worried. I'm like, Oh, I don't think I will enjoy this anymore. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I wonder if they can modernize it. I was thinking earlier about like the whole American Pie franchise. Could you make that today? Could that be modernized in some ways? I don't know. I feel like... Don't they have some version of that on Netflix? It's like... I Oh. I... I feel like I came across it by accident and looking for something that I thought would be like in these crazy times, I need something that's comforting. And I could have sworn that it was like, I don't know if it was like American pie, like high school rebooted (laughs) something terrible like that. And I was like, what is this? There's so many. And there was, but it was, it was like modern day and it was, it was a girl group and how they were. So it was like from the girls, the female perspective. Okay. So I was, Oh, I didn't watch it. So I'm not being very helpful, but I'm not. And I'm also not recommending it since I haven't seen it, but I feel that like maybe there's an attempt to do that. I don't know if it's any good or worth anybody's while, but we'll find out, I guess. No, I, I'm I think you're right, Michelle. Yeah, I feel like I've seen a lot of that type of thing happening where they'll reboot something that maybe was problematic. It's just an all-female... It's just a female reboot type is what they do, right? They just sort yeah. of like change... They center it on women. And say so I had the same view on Wedding Crashers. It's like young Mia who was in that society, loved it, thought it was like a, a rom-com, super funny. And I really liked the romance between Owen Wilson and Rachel McAdams. And then adult Mia like did watch parts of it recently and was like, why are these old men dating these like young women? Right? Like why? Like I was like, <gasps> what is it? I was like, the standards are so unfair. Um, and then, yeah, the jokes are so like so messed up. So, but yeah, if I remember, I loved it at the time. Cause that was the society. It was like very like male centered and very like, and all the old men get the young female hotties. And, uh, and then we were just like, that's normal. And then watching it now, I was like, this is crazy those girls but, uh, aren't desperate i feel like that's what i would say yeah. like those girls just because at their wedding they're not desperate to be with you come on i get it know together, yeah. guys. i know so I hopefully know. I bet- it'll be well done if they if they are really going to yeah. move forward with this I'll, 
I'll put 20 bucks that would they just make it female wedding crashers. Yeah. <laughs> they just have I like two younger like, women that are the wedding crashers. Yeah. It's that like either their funny. daughters or their nieces that are like. <laughs> probably. I mean. Like a Bill I and Ted situation. Maybe it's their niece. Like their <laughs> exactly. older nieces. And it's like, oh, and like the dad show them the ropes or their uncle show them the ropes how to wedding crash. That's oh that's my, my pitch. <laughs> I'll <laughs> take it. Buy it. <laughs> I'll take Cast it. Cast me. Hollywood, um, do it. Do it, Hollywood. We've got so all kinds thing, of ideas. So I know at the top we were saying, you know, it's crazy time and that there is something so comforting about, at least I think for all of us on uh, talking about this right now, there's there's comfort in rom-coms, stories where, you know, the, the outcome is ideal. Even if it's predictable, it's like we want a happy ending. We want it to be mm-hmm. um, everything to work out in the end and everyone to be happy. I find comfort in that right now um in particular and we talk on the show about uh, is there anything that we would recommend i know we talked about mindy kaling and some of her work but i guess for ali and mia is there a like whether it's a rom-com or any kind of like story that or something that you come back to that you that you guys find comfort in when it comes to you know either like stress relief or you're like oh i could watch this rom-com again and again and not get sick of it Oh my god! Um, wow. uh, Mia, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Yeah, um, I don't have mine ready, but I know I have one. Do you have yours ready? Yeah, I think. Okay, yeah, I think uh, right now, what I'll. This is a newer rom com that came out this year, um, mm-hmm. and this is um, is Palm Springs. Have you guys seen oh, it? Oh yes, it's, it's very like, sweet. It, it's very sweet, and uh, why I would recommend it. Um, right now in the moment we're living in is like, um, uh, it's uh, about these people. I'm not giving anything away. They live like the same day over and over again. It's Groundhog mm-hmm. Day, but in Palm Springs, kind of. Um, that's mm-hmm. we all know that. I'm not spoiling anything. <laughs> no, and, no um, that's the premise. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's you know it's people's like even in these like kind of constricted and like restrictive like circumstances, um they can still find like uh, a lot of joy and um, and love just by being with people that, um, you know, make them feel alive, even if, you know, their world is very like stagnant. Um, and so watching that f- felt really good um, and just kind of like reinforced, I think, an idea that's really important right now, which is like, you know, yeah, we are not in great circumstances right now, but um, just to like embrace the people. Hopefully, we are all, you know, quarantining or, or by people we love, and just to embrace those yeah. people um, and and live, you know, and appreciate them and and live each day with them, even if it's not in ideal circumstances, because you know you can still get joy from that. Um, and so, recommend that movie to kind of you know remind us of that important lesson love it i love that i love that i love that, I love that. mine it was a great so movie. much worse it was so good and andy sandberg it's so was so great charming. i love andy was, sandberg i do so good and he's um, very sweet in that movie and the, the both of them had i thought had great chemistry mm-hmm, they did mm-hmm. i thought yeah amazing amazing camera i love that movie love the casting um my message is worse 
it's a little more for those of you who are having a hard time focusing. Oh. For those of you who are having a hard time focusing and you're sort of like, what do I do about that? And so what I recommend and what I do is when I get in this state, right, where I am watching MSNBC, but I am more focused on who's this fellow in the yellow shirt, you know, because I think my mind is trying to be like, okay, what's comforting or like, what's going on? Is that Jay Tapper or Chris Cuomo on CNN? I can't tell, you know, like it's more of like, you're sort of like, what's happening? And, um, so what I recommend doing is what this is what I do is sort of I go to the rom-com version of like B movies, right? You know, oh. so it's like there is like the rom there's like rom-coms that are like, you know, epic. And on our podcast, we're trying to find the best ones, right? Like when Harry met Sally Dirty Dancing. What I like to do is go sort of like the next level down to rom-coms that you can really ignore and you don't have to be paying attention to, but oh. there it's so, and I'm talking and I'm, this is not a neg because I would, I love these rom-coms. So like bride wars, um, uh, something borrowed. These are sort of like mass production. <laughs> yeah, 27 dresses. Of, oh yeah. Yes, 27 dresses. Yes. Probably like, um, yeah. Movies that sort of like came out sort of like at peak, like mass production rom-com time of sort of like mid aughts. So mm-hmm. anything with Catherine Catherine Heigl. <laughs> anything Catherine yes. Heigl. Anything Kate Hudson. The yeah, ugly like, Anything Kate Jennifer Hudson. Goodwin. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like watch. Yes. And I like to do it because I am having a hard time focusing. I cannot read emails. I cannot respond to texts. And so what I like to do is put that in the background and sort of like, I'm not missing anything important. I always sort of know what's going on. And we're hitting my tropes, you know? And it's like, oh, that's gonna, you know, I'm, and it's Chris Pratt's around and it just feels comforting. <laughs> and so I recommend sort of whatever that is for you, whatever you don't have to pay attention to. It's okay that you're not paying attention, but you're still in the world that you love and you find it comforting. That's um, great. That's yeah, great yeah. advice. That's I, really good advice. Both unlike my unhealthy really advice of watching MSNBC for 24 <laughs> hours a day and uh, <laughs> taking Adderall in between. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Just kidding. I am not oh, taking no. Adderall. You could do that. That would be you would be paying attention then better than you could do that i wouldn't recommend that but i you could do that (laughs) (laughs) but those are really great recs i think that's solid advice right now i think the question that i would like to go back to and we're kind of already beating around this bush is like why do we love teenage romance as like four grown women who obviously <laughs> are not teenagers anymore oh man why do <laughs> i know <laughs> just kidding. i know Trust i would not, i don't know i don't know that i want to be a teenager again oh god no i don't uh, i no i don't <laughs> no. i do not i prefer being a grown woman but why what is it about the teenage romance is it because it you know, is there like a nostalgia factor? Is there like something about like the idea of really young love? What is it for you guys? Um, I for think it might be. A, oh, oh, Ellie, you go. Oh, I, I, um, I think it might be two things. I think what's so wonderful about teenage love is it's like very simple, and that like mm. you as a teenager, you don't no really have a lot problems. of problems. Yeah, yeah, you have no problems except like your crush and whether your crush likes <laughs> yeah. you or not like doing that's homework your, yeah it's like oh did i get my homework done <laughs> yeah spoilers homework doesn't matter you don't have to do any of it it's stupid don't waste your time doing homework um is something i figured out later in life but um i think there's something like beautiful and like that's their biggest kind of like worry and that kind of like nostalgia for that nostalgia I would say is, you know, one reason. And then, um, yeah, what's pure about, you know, teen love too is like, 
nobody's had their heart broken. So there's no like weird kind of like jadedness. People are just like, (laughs) uh, people are just like, I don't know. And just like seeing people, you know, for the first time experience something really special, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I think that's why people like kids so much is like, you get to see them, you know, fall, you know, go to Disneyland for the first time or like, you know, eat ice cream for the first time. And it's like, (laughs) Oh yeah, that's what that was like. And it's, um, uh, getting to like live vicariously through them. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for me, it's those things. And it's also the same reason why I like a rom-com in general is because it's a world I'm familiar with. So it's like, I know the parameters. I know what's allowed mm-hmm. and what's not allowed. Right. Like, and like yeah. you were saying, they don't have problems. Right. It's like, I know nothing really bad. It like is going to happen. Right. Like some, someone might die or something. And that's like worst case scenario. And we prefer that that doesn't happen because we're there for a good, you know, I think it's like, it's less about like, and it's less about me being nostalgic for high school because it none of these ex- reflect my high school experience. <laughs> right, but it's more here. of like, yeah, it's more of like maybe going back into that safe place and then sort of like being nostalgic for a time that never was, right? From like you thinking your life is going to be the way it is in fiction and it's not. And lastly, oh, it's like the rules. I love rules, right? It's like you have parents and you can't go out and you got, you know, it's like, and you got to do your homework. And so it's like, oh, we have all these barriers to like things happening that are really safe barriers, right? Yeah, it's not a job. They're all low stakes. It's like the model United Nations and your older sister. It's like, those are the biggest. Um, yeah, it comes down to the problems thing. Uh, so yeah, that's I, why I like them. I got a laugh rewatching 10 things I hate about you as a grown woman. And then obviously the year we've been living through, it's just like, man, look at these white kids driving around in Seattle. They live in this like big, beautiful craftsman home. The dad's like a freaking surgeon. They just leave school and then go play paintball and do some pedal boating on the lake. What the hell life? Oh. What the hell 17 year old is doing this? I don't know, but man, they got like a good debit card, credit card upon them. Someone's paying for this. And like, we'll just go on over to uh what's the poor guy's name who they bust through this house. He has a dumb name. Oh, Buggy? Doogie? Doobie? Doogie? Yeah, something like that. How- Doogie. Hausenberg oh, or something. That Doogie yeah. Hauser? <laughs> no, that's wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be a different show. Um, that's but a, yeah, you, that's a doctor character, right? That is a Doogie doctor. Hauser? It's a kid doctor. Um, doctor. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, we bust through and we're all 17 years old and we all managed to uh, get get all these party supplies and a shit ton of Bud Light. I'm like, what is happening? But yeah, you they know just what? show up and make their party at his DJ. house which there's I think a is dj really there's a full dj in operation like the guy brings the speaker I'm yeah like, he's got like a turntable yeah bogey. I went to. Bogey. Bogey. bogey lowenstein oh my god our memory is incredible we are wow. so good you guys this is unreal he's so memorable michelle do you have a do you have a anything to add in terms of why you love a teenage romance Oh, Ali Amia did it so much justice. You did too. I feel like it's very nostalgic for me. I feel like um, I did not have a very nice high school boyfriend. I will say that probably and not very Mm. romantic. Mm. Um, But, you know, it happens. You're young. You make dumb choices, right? And I feel like I look at these. I was like, man, I was like 
cute teenager. I was cute in high school. Like, I know. What was I, I just thinking? Like, what was I thinking? Wasting my time with an idiot, with this some knucklehead. Fool. Um, so I feel like I look at these stories and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally see my young 16-year-old self falling in love with a Patrick Verona or an Edward or, you know, Jacob and and Jacob. Uh, Peter Kavinsky. Like, I could – Josh next door, like, sign me up. Like, I think there's something so comforting that I find in that, like, nostalgia from these movies. You know, like, like I said, there's other things that I've seen some of these actors in that I don't really care for them in those other roles only in, like <laughs> – these very particular like that's why we created this podcast exactly you love that character you love, love that, character, that character not necessarily the actor right exactly. sometimes the actor yeah. sometimes but um guys we are headed into that part of the episode where we're going to do honorable mentions i gotta be honest with you michelle you took mine so i don't even need to say anything do you mia ali do you guys have any honorable mentions michelle honorable mentions for teenage romance characters that didn't quite make it into the number one spot for you today Yes, I have one. Ooh. Um, mine, I, this is so random and I remembered it. I was like pining after Shia LaBeouf in Disturbia. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was so into Disturbia Shia LaBeouf. Like, what is that? That wasn't even a moment. <laughs> like, that wasn't because even, that was after he did, tra- was that after he did Transformers or before he did? I think right, be- maybe right before or right it's after that the first era. One. It's very yeah, close. Because right right he's the got the curly hair, right? And he's yeah, like, he's not he's not like even Stevens anymore, right? He's not like right, a guy. Not. And all of a sudden he's like got like a, a crew cut, and you're like, okay, who's that? Oh, <laughs> hello, hello, Shia. We have yeah. talked about Shia LaBeouf we on this show. Yeah. I mean, I have admitted to liking a character that he played that I was a little embarrassed to admit that I liked. <gasps> so you're in good Which company. He played Tyler in uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. And it's very cute. It's very, it's a very cute story. It's a very comforting story. It's a a story that we've recommended before, but if anybody's listening now, we, we, it's very cute. And his character is very cute in it. It is. He is very cute. He's he's very cute in it. And it has to do with the friendship that he forms with one of the other characters. And I'll just, and I'll leave it at that. But you know, he's not someone that I would, that I don't think you think of, him as like a leading man so to speak i guess so that's probably why he fell into our category of and he's probably he's up to some things that are not a hundred percent above board in the movie so Mm. a a little embarrassed to admit but hey disturbia Disturbing, <laughs> right? He's not, he's not great in that either. He's he's like peeping. He's a peeping tom, but then he does look away. I think when she undresses. I hope I remember. Yeah, but he but like isn't the neighbor like a murderer or something like? Oh, I just gave it away. Yes, someone's like, I really want to know. Neighbor, and I think that's the premise. Man. That's in the trailer. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's yeah. like thriller, right? Ish. I've not seen. Yeah, it. yeah. It's like Rear Window, but for young hot teens. Oh, you know what? I do have an honorable mention that I just thought of. Who is yours? Who is Y'all it? know I'm pining for some Jughead Jones from Riverdale. Oh, <gasps> oh my God. Lord of mercy. What, you mean the, in real life? Like is that the Zach and Cody one? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I actually, I love... I love Cole Sprouse playing Jughead Jones. I I do too. I've fallen off the Riverdale bandwagon after season two, but 
man, season one, you do not, you cannot watch Riverdale and be like, yo, who is this mysterious guy? He puts that I'm leather jacket on and I'm done. Like there's that one <laughs> episode. And, and if you've seen it, you know, and I didn't really spoil anything, but um, <laughs> it, that show was recommended to me and they were like, oh, I think you'll like his character. Um, I think Kim was there and we talked about it. And I just thought, I was like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I, you know. Oh yeah. He's his a writer. Likability. He wants to report on the local happenings, narrating the He's story. Kind of it's like fantastic. brooding. And, oh, so, and oh. he gives that little speech, the I'm a weirdo speech. Oh yeah. I love it. He's yeah, so Yeah. I do love that. me some Jughead Jones. You know who else I love um, that I, I did have on my honorable mention list is yeah. Penn Bagley as Woodchuck Todd in Easy A. Oh, it's oh, been a hot yeah. minute since I've thought of Easy A. Yeah. I think that movie is very cute. I loved um, Emma Stone in it. And um, it's got kind of all the elements of like uh, high school, like romance and comedy. And it was just, it was really well done. And Penn Bagley isn't really somebody that I particularly look at or I don't really I never watched Gossip Girl but I really liked his character in this movie um as Todd and he has a very sweet moment also in a car with um Emma Stone and he's just so very sweet and caring to her and I had a very lovely uh college boyfriend where something similar happened and um I was crying and he like took he offered to take me to ice cream and I feel like that moment when they're in the car oh. really like resonated with like my young self and I was like oh that's so cute cuz who doesn't love like a like a a romantic gesture or like a you know like a good guy like it was just yeah. you know it was just like a very romantic thing and i just thought oh he's in the car with her and she's talking about having a a crush on him and growing and they grew up together and i think it's very cute so man cars are so when you're a teenager cars are so <laughs> romantic Right? Cars are like the most romantic place because <laughs> it's like so the one place where you can be alone. Like it's if you're true. in your house, your parents are there. Anywhere else is a public place, but in your car, you're mm-hmm. alone. That oh, Allie, man, I that just got a flashback. <laughs> uh, like oh. seriously, you are so dead on. I think the most romantic. I mean, I had some whatever weird dating boyfriends, whatever you'd like to call them in high school. But the most romantic moments I've ever had with them were in a car. Uh, and they were just sweet. It wasn't anything like weird, but like, um, but yeah, what a great astute observation, Allie. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. in high school, I remember like having the same kind of like long romantic conversations in a car, like the date or whatever like yeah. thing that just happened, like is done. But we're just sitting in the car still because yes. we don't want it to end, yes. and it's getting steamy because we're just <gasps> getting. Uh-huh. No, I mean, like the AC talking on. and like exactly being warm. you can't crack the window; it's too cold out. Yeah, no, I'm I'm making up oh, stuff now. Man. <laughs> oh man! Oh, um, my my honorable mention. Yes. Okay, so I it's gonna be. Like a two character thing. Um, Veronica Sawyer from Heathers is. I have not seen that movie. Oh, I've heard great things. It's so good. It's like this really weird movie. It's like she 
because we see a lot of bad boys, right? And we don't always see a lot of like kind of edgy bad girls. And mm-hmm. um, we see a lot of good girls. We see a lot of girls in cardigans. Um, but Veronica Sawyer is like this like badass chick with a monocle, a monocle. writing in her diary with sloppy ass handwriting. And like <laughs> yeah. she's... Um, she just is such she I like have a crush on her. I want to like be her. Yeah. She's like uh holds a gun up to this one guy at one point. <laughs> she like prevents her school from getting bombed. Like she's nice. just, like smoking cigarettes like a badass and uh it's um a young Winona Ryder and she's just great. I'm look that you just reminded me that that movie needs to move to the top of my to watch list because that movie has been in the back of my head for the last four years and I have yet to watch it. It's like unlike any of the other movies that were coming out during that time. Ooh, okay. I love it. I, Young Christian Slater also very hot. I can get behind hot. that. I can get behind that 100%. Oh man. Allie, Mia. I have had such a good time talking to you. We loved it so much that you were here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. We had such a blast. Yay. And obviously, like I said, listeners, if you have not checked out their podcast, P.S. I love rom-coms. Also, we're all part of the same Campfire Media Network. Thanks to Campfire Media for hooking us up. We, um, you need to go and check them out. Period. Just do it. In the meantime, Allie, Mia, how can they follow you guys on social? Yeah, you can check out uh, our Instagram. It's at P.S. I love rom-coms. We are also on Twitter. Um, Yeah, and you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Podcasts, wherever. We'll be there. P.S. I love rom-coms. We'll be there. Um, Yeah, and then you can follow me at, at Allie Jens on instagram and you can find mia on instagram too she just joined congrats mia it's at it's (laughs) mia shoffler (laughs) nice well folks we are at the end of our episode again thanks to campfire media for all that you do and of course if you liked what you listened to you can leave us a five-star review in apple podcast but until next time see you later xoxo in between episodes you can find us on twitter and instagram at crush fictionally and feel free to slide into those dms or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally, with original music by the talented Edith Mudge, artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock, and produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real.
what an NPE is? Yeah, that's okay, no one does. It's a non-paternal event, and it's what they call it when you do a DNA test and find out that you actually are the milkman's son, or your parents used a sperm donor, or you were adopted and no one ever told you. I'm Eve Sturgis, host of Everything's Relative, where I invite my guests to talk about DNA discoveries and how spitting into a tube has changed their lives for better or worse. Episodes are out every other Friday. Find them on Campfire Media or subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Campfire.